Welcome to the CompTIA BizTech Podcast, where we talk with industry leaders across our communities and councils to discuss business challenges, opportunities, and strategies for success. Welcome to the special edition of the BizTech Podcast. My name is Kathleen Martin, and I'm excited to welcome the CEO of CompTIA's Tech Careers Academy and Executive Vice President of Industry Relations, Nancy Hammervik. Nancy, welcome to the podcast. Thanks very much, Kathleen, and hello to all our listeners out there. Hope you're doing well, and I'm very happy to be here with you today. Terrific. And let me introduce our special guest, Peter Arthur Smith. Peter is the founding principal and owner at Leadership Solutions. Since 1994, Leadership Solutions has offered philosophy, tools, and practices that enable executives to become enlightened leaders. Peter, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Kathleen. I uh, look forward to uh, the discussion. And with that, Nancy, I'll let you take it away. Wonderful. Thank you, Kathleen. So, hi, Peter. It's very nice to be here with you today. You are a fellow New Yorker. Right. Yes. So you are on Manhattan Island and I'm on Long Island, not too far apart. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, Really nice uh, to have you here. We've been talking a lot at CompTIA and with our members about the importance of soft skills and management skills and leadership skills in technology today. And you had reached out to us and sent to us a very interesting blog that we will be sharing with our listeners and our members about the difference between a manager and a leader. We found that blog to be very interesting, which is why we invited you to talk with us here today. And so maybe you could start out by sharing a little bit about the difference between a manager and a leader. Well, there's lots of definitions, uh, Nancy, but the ones that I particularly focus on is that to me, managers are more systems, process and control oriented, whereas leaders are more people, progress and, (coughs) and empowerment oriented. And uh, management is more, from my point of view, was well suited to the 20th century, whereas leadership, in my view, is going to be much more suited to the 21st century. And uh, managers are much more about putting together projects to achieve certain numbers, plan for those numbers, organize for those numbers, um, direct people to achieve those numbers, and control everything to ensure that those numbers are accomplished. Whereas leaders, to me, are much more about envisioning a compelling people-related purpose. They position things so that their people can succeed. They engage their people to pursue that particular purpose. They collaborate with their people both inside and others outside the organization to get their assistance in accomplishing the purpose. And finally, they're much into orchestrating and trying to align everything so that the maximum momentum can be achieved. So in in essence, uh, managers are project plan, organize, direct and control oriented, whereas leaders are much more envision, position, engage, collaborate and orchestrate oriented, okay? And so often because of that, uh, managers are more, intent on getting uh, making people have to do things whereas leaders are more about wanting people to do things 
Yeah, that's fantastic. And I have to agree with you. Um, I think that's really interesting insight and uh, what we need now, you know, as we steer our industry uh, into the 21st century. So you're writing a book on enlightened leadership. Can you uh, share a little bit about what enlightened leadership is? Nevertheless. So again, the difference with enlightened leadership is again, wanting, getting people to want to do things rather than people have to do things. Um, they, they, they feel with leaders, they, people feel that they're involved in key decisions. They, they feel that they're well positioned to succeed. Um, and also, you know, with uh, small organizations, and I understand that your association has smaller organizations and somewhat larger organizations. Well, with enlightened leadership, they introduce a three component uh, a framework, if you like, which involves putting together a success strategy, making sure that people are well prepared and also providing inspiring leadership. If they're a larger organization, enlightened leadership introduces them to a four component framework as a framework as opposed to a plan. And that framework consists of a compelling vision and strategies, the know-how that's required to get the, the, whatever it is accomplished, the resources that are required to get it accomplished, and also to clarify the objectives and the people um, outcomes that are expected. And again, yeah. note the third people outcomes. So you talk about the five phases of enlightened leadership. What are those five phases? Well, the, the five phases, um, and as people will see from the diagram that comes up, uh, <clears throat> phase one is about envisioning and decision clarity. And here we introduce a new tool called option solving as opposed to problem solving. Phase two is about positioning and pathfinding. And again, we introduce these new tools about success strategies and strategic frameworks. Phase three is about engaging and involving people. And here we talk about utilizing PCAM and SIGFAM. And if we have more time to talk, I can explain the difference between those two motivational things. But it also introduces fresh roles. So instead of there being CEOs, uh, there'll be visionists. Instead of there being marketing people, there will be expansionists. Instead of being R&D people, there will be innovationists. Instead of being uh, uh, having CFOs, we'll have provisionists. And instead of having typical operation people, we'll have operationists. And instead of having salespeople, we'll have promotionists. And finally, a very important role, instead of having traditional HR roles, we'll have a humanist. So these are some of the roles. And then we'll also get on phase four is much more about how and to get people to collaborate and teamwork. And this is where we will introduce heterarchies versus hierarchies. Hierarchies govern people from the top, whereas heterarchies orchestrate people from the center of the organization. And finally, um, we'll have phase five, which is orchestrate and uh, orchestrate and build momentum. And here we'll introduce what I call strategic or operating streaming, which gets people to think properly between what they're doing today and doing tomorrow. 
Too often we find executives are totally focused on today and spend little time on tomorrow. Whereas this will Arctic, uh, articulate very clearly the percentage of their time they need to spend on today and the percentage of their time they need to spend on tomorrow. And they need to do those things not quite simultaneously, but they need to do them in the same, same time spans. Yes, yeah, fascinating. I really like the concept and the idea of the new titles. Um, at CompTIA, one of our thought leaders um, who just has an incredible knowledge on technology trends and solutions and all, Dr. James Stanger, is our chief technologist on staff. Um, chief evangelist of technology. So love that um, new approach to the title. For all of our listeners, we will be giving you the link to Peter's book so you can learn a little bit more about each of these phases. So the last 12 months, Peter, have been uh, very trying. Um, the technology industry has seen a lot of disruption and challenges. Um, what do you see as the key characteristics of a leader that's leading their team successfully through these tough times? And what, um, what are the characteristics of the leaders that will emerge from these challenging times? Well, here we come back to that distinction between managers and leaders. And from my point of view, enlightened leaders will embrace the current circumstances we're in. Uh, they're much better at keeping people's spirits up. Uh, they're much better at maximizing and keeping people involved and engaged and so forth. Whereas our conventional managers, they're struggling in today's environment uh, because they have a tough time trusting their people. They, want, they, they basically want to see their people under their noses all the time. And we're seeing more and more articles in the media now, really trying to make sure that people come back to the offices. And these are, it's the managers that are going to be demanding this because they're only comfortable when they can see the people in front of them. Whereas leaders are much happier, you know, wherever the people want to be that they can contribute the most, the leaders are quite happy to work with that because they're much more sensitive to people and their needs. So, you know, uh, particular articles I've been writing is that managers are going to be struggling in today's environment, whereas leaders will probably in many ways thrive in today's environment and enjoy getting their people to contribute all sorts of things, whether that's be from home or whether that be from the office, whichever their preference ultimately ends up to be. Yeah, really interesting. I learned a long time ago in my career that tough times make great leaders. <laughs> exactly. Anybody can manage in an easy time, right? And even be seen as a leader, you know, when things are easy. But it's the tough times, like how pressure makes diamonds. Um, it's the tough times that you see that the real leaders can emerge. I'm also really thankful at CompTIA. We have incredible leadership, especially in our CEO, Todd Thibodeau. And he has already shared that after this pandemic is over, everyone is free to stay home and continue working from home if that works for them. We have a really flexible and conducive kind of working environment. So uh, yeah, not only our leaders, but I see a lot of our staff and employees thriving um, with the type of culture um, that this leadership brings to. So really, really interesting insight. I'd be interested to know, you just mentioned the word employees. One of the yeah. things in my book is that I offer more than 50 words, which I would like to see us introduce into our vocabulary to replace the 
the words that we already use today. You use the word employee. I would like to see the word contributor, that people are not there to be employed, they're there to be contributed, contributors. So they're either high contributors, contributors, or they're non-contributors. And if they're non-contributors, well, they maybe need to go on a journey somewhere else where they can contribute more than where they are today. So people, right. role is to contribute, not to be employed. Yeah, really interesting way of looking at it. I like it. It's not what they call themselves, but what they do that we should really measure people. And a number of my clients now, they're people in the companies are call themselves contributors. I like that. I like that. I think I'm going to try that out in my next uh, contributor meeting. Yeah. Right. So, um, so as we, you know, close out here, you also talk in your book about the difference uh, between managers and leaders and that people take precedence over process. Um, can you talk a little bit about how a leader can bring both the people and process together for maximum impact? Right. Well, the thing is that, uh, to me, the four fundamentals of being a good leader is to have vision, is to have integrity, is to have courage, and is to have wisdom. These are the four primary aspects of a leader. And anybody who has those four characteristics will automatically be seen as a leader. I mean, we don't, unfortunately, we don't see too many of them in our world. I mean, people that did have, have had these characteristics of people like uh, um, um, Abraham Lincoln, uh, people like Golda Meir of Israel, um, uh, to me, Anwar Sadat of Egypt, uh, South Africa's Nelson Mandela, and uh, also to some extent, although things have got a little bit shaky in recent times, is somebody like Angela Merkel in Germany. These are leaders that people come, those four characteristics create a high degree of trust. And when a, lead, a leader has the trust of their people, then they can really engage those people in whatever needs to be accomplished. And, and uh, those people will do of their best. I've read of some incredible stories about some of the American generals that were in the Civil War and how they were in awful predicaments, you know, in that vicious fight between, you know, the South and the North and how some of those generals, because they had that level of trust, even though their people knew that they were going to be decimated if they moved forward, they still went with those generals because they had that high degree of trust. And in fact, in most cases, they succeeded in, in achieving despite the casualties that they achieved. So to me, this is really what leadership is about, building that level of trust with their people. I 100% agree that trust is critical um, between a leader and, and his or her contributors and uh, in the organization. So I have found this conversation to be fascinating. I'm really looking forward to reading your book as well. We have a few more minutes if there's anything else that you would like to share. I'm sure our readers would appreciate your continued uh, insight and perspective. Right. Well, um, you know, I, I think that the, you know, some of the important things that uh, I, I mentioned earlier about the difference between PCAM and SIGFAM, which I didn't have much time to mention, but this is a, a very interesting way of motivating people. 
um, we very much tend to use what I call SIGFAN, where to motivate people, where C is equals competition, uh, I equals incentives, G equals goals, F equals fear, A equals accountability, and M equals measurement. This is what we traditionally have been using. And, and to me, um, this exerts enormous uh, psychological pressure on people. Whereas what I would like to see more is what I call PCAM, where P is a compelling purpose. Uh, e is more of a sense of equality that people feel that they count rather than just be a pair of hands. That A, gives people a regular sense of accomplishment and achievement, that C is about camaraderie, not only with their colleagues, but also with their own leader, you know, and uh, A is about autonomy and empowerment, you know, and mastery is about knowing whatever they need to know to accomplish what they need to accomplish. So again, PCAM is about purpose, it's about equality, it's about achievement, it's about camaraderie, it's about autonomy, and it's about mastery. And these really stimulate people from inside. These are known as intrinsic motivators, whereas SIGFAM is are known as extrinsic motivators. They're things that we bring from the outside to pressure people to get accomplished. And true leaders, whether they know it or not, they apply PCAM, they don't apply SIGFAM very much. I mean, not to say that SIGFAM doesn't apply. There are certain situations uh, when you're in an emergency, maybe a certain amount of SIGFAM does apply, but we apply it too often from my point at our expense as leaders. And the more that we can get leaders to use PCAM, the more their people will get excited and engaged and really want to, as I've said, as opposed to feel they have to. I'm glad we had time for that. Peter, I love an interview like this and a podcast like this that in 15 minutes you have shared so much great insight and even direction and advice for leaders. And I think that everybody out there listening can take at least one nugget of what you shared and start to apply it right away um, in their day to day. So really appreciate you being here with us today. We'll make sure that we get the book out to our listeners um, and let them know where they can purchase that. Um, Not well, there yet, unfortunately, but uh, we're working towards it. Okay, um, but you are welcome to you know, be a, a continued contributor. Um, we are looking forward to sharing your blog with our readers and we hope to have you back. Um, we are discussing this a lot at CompTIA, um, the importance of soft skills, leadership skills, emotional intelligence, all of that now in the tech world. So I think that you can bring a lot of great insight and perspective and uh, leadership in these areas. So thank you very much for being here with us today. Um, any closing remarks? Well, the only thing that I would like to say, if we do get a time to talk again, I would like to be able to deal with the issue of what's called soft skills. Uh, this is always grated against me that you know management is considered to be hard skills and leadership is uh, considered to be soft skills. From my point of view, when people get enlightened leadership, there will be hard skills in leadership as well. No difference. Well, I think that you have given everybody a little tease for our next podcast. So we'll look uh, forward to that. Thanks, right. very much, Peter, for being here with us today on a beautiful day in New York. 
Um, thank you very much to our listeners. And Kathleen, I'll turn it over to you to close out. Well, thank you very much. This has certainly been an informative and absolutely compelling podcast. So thank you, Nancy and Peter. We appreciate your participating in this special edition of the BizTech podcast. And for our listeners, we encourage you to subscribe to the podcast and join us at connect.comptia.org to find your community or technology interest group. Thank you and have a great day. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the CompTIA BizTech podcast. For more information on CompTIA membership, communities, and councils, visit comptia.org membership. If you enjoyed this podcast, the greatest compliment you can give us is subscribing, sharing, and liking the broadcast.